If you have kids, they are dismissed to our children's ministry, which is right out that door and to the left. And if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew 25 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew 25. Um, As we said earlier, we are in the middle of a series that we have called Help. We started it last week. And we started last week with uh, one important idea, and that is that in order for us to help the world around us, In order for us to respond to God's call to be agents of change in the world, we have to rely on the power of the Spirit of God first. So last week we talked about we do have this divine call that God has placed on our lives as followers of Jesus to help the world around us. But it starts with tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit Every day. So the challenge last week, um, I made a joke that we're going to have homework every week here um, as part of our series. And the challenge last week was just to spend more time um, in prayer, specifically prayer um, about your relationship with God. Instead of just praying for God to give you stuff or praying for other people, pray for your relationship with God. This prayer, Holy Spirit, Fill me with your presence today and every day. And we also said, we challenged people to read at least four days in the scriptures this week. One chapter a day, four days, as a way to continue to stay in the presence of God. Because if we are going to be helpful in a world that is broken, um, if we're going to be like flower Uh, like watering cans that water the flowers, we need to continue to fill ourselves up as well. And so that's very important. So that challenge last week kind of sticks with us every week, is that we would read the scriptures on a regular basis, that we would spend time in prayer with God on a regular basis, in order for us to do the things that we're about to talk about for the next few weeks. But this morning, we're going to talk about exactly how that call works itself out in our lives? How do we help a world that seems so messed up and so broken? How do we be agents for change in a world that is as messed up as the world that we lived in and that we live in? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So before we read, I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we look at Matthew 25. Would you pray? Uh, God, we, a lot of us are are excited about helping the world around us. We, we want to respond to your call, but we don't know where to start sometimes. And so, God, as we, as we look at what you've called us to do, as today we start to talk about what you have called us to do, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit today and every day that we would not try to do it of our own power and of our own energy, but we would rest on your divine power to work through us and in us every day. God, we're going to read a passage uh, this morning that's kind of hard for us to hear and kind of hard for us to understand, Um, but we pray that... From the beginning, we would just listen to this idea of engaging a broken world. And so we 
we pray for the courage to do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. We're going to read all of the verses in one fell swoop. It's a lot, but um, just stick with us. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence, and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at His right hand and the goats at His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. This passage, Matthew 25, is Jesus talking. And it is in the middle of a lot of different passages where Jesus is teaching a lot of different things. So Matthew ends, toward the end of Matthew, you have Jesus toward the end of his life and toward the end of his ministry. And Matthew is talking, or Jesus is talking about, this is how we're called to live in a world that I'm about to leave. Last week, we talked about the idea that Jesus is preparing his disciples for him to go. But in this case, Jesus is teaching in Jerusalem, and he's teaching in the temple, and he's teaching during the lead-up to Passover. It's, it's Holy Week. So think about the biggest city in the known world, or one of the biggest cities in the known world at the time. It's definitely the most religious city, and he's there in the most religious week, and he's in the temple, the most holy place. And he keeps teaching all of these different things. And he gets to this portion, this passage, where he uses imagery that, honestly, for a lot of us, it scares us. Because Jesus is very direct and clear with the way he talks here. 
Now, we like what a lot of Jesus says. Even if you're not somebody who's a person of faith at all, there are a lot of things that Jesus says that we like. We like when Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed are those who mourn, for they are going to be comforted. We like when Jesus says to love your enemies, even if we don't love our enemies, we don't, we don't want to love our enemies, we kind of can agree that it's a nice thing to do. We like a lot of the things that Jesus says because they do make us feel good. And a lot of times Jesus answers a question with a question, or he does these things to, to make us think. And it doesn't call us to action as much, but it does make us think about our lives. But in this passage, he is very direct and he's very clear. And he calls us to take action in life. He says uh, there will be this judgment. And Jesus, the Bible paints a picture of Jesus uh, as fully human, as someone who understands what we're going through, who experiences the kind of temptations that we experience. And he's got this divine nature. But here, Jesus presents himself as all king, all God, all divine. And he says uh, there's going to be a time where he comes and, he, and there's this judgment. It's not a word that we love to hear and think about and talk about. But he talks about this separation that happens between people who want to spend eternity with God and people who want to spend eternity separated from God. And he uses right and left and sheep and goats. And he says there, there are people who will spend eternity in the presence of the divine, in the presence of God. And, and here is how that shows up. The people who were, who were spending eternity in the presence of God, they took care of the king when he was hungry. They gave him food. When he was thirsty, they gave him water. When he was naked, they gave him clothes. When he was in prison, which in Jesus' day, um, prisoners were just being held until they had a court date. And they did not have anything with them. It's not like the, the government provided food for them, so they had to rely on people coming to visit them and give them stuff. So you visited him when, when he was in prison. When he was sick, you helped take care of him. This is what you did. And even the people who were on that side, who were on the right, who were the sheep, who were spending eternity with God, they look at him and they say, well, how, when did we see you hurting in that way? Because we didn't notice it. When did we see you hurting that way and provide for you? And he says, when you did it for the least of these. In other words, when you encountered people in your world who were helpless and hurting and hungry, you provided for them, you came alongside them, you helped them. And because you did, you were, you were doing that to me. And that's why you're here. But then he goes to the other people and say, uh, you are not going to be in my presence anymore. Because when I was hungry, you did not help me. When I was thirsty, you did not give me a drink. When I was naked, you did not give me clothes. When I was sick, you did not visit me. And when I was in prison, you didn't, you didn't come to see me. And those people also are confused. They're like, when did we see you with these needs, God? When, we, when did we see you, King, uh, having these needs and not helping you? Because surely if we would have seen these needs that you had, we would have helped we would have done something. And the king says, when you saw hungry 
and helpless and hurting people in the world and did not help them, you did not do it for me as well. Now, I want to bring us back to a lot of things that Jesus says throughout the Gospels and what we talked about last week is that these things, these actions that we take are done out of faith. They're done out of a belief in who God is and a trust in Jesus in the first place. So it's not like we have to do these things just to get into God's presence. Because I know a lot of us grew up in an environment where we thought, I have to obey the rules and I have to follow the rules. And as long as I'm on the good side, then that's how I I get in with God. That's how I get to heaven. But, But remember, these things are an overflow of the faith that we have in Jesus in the first place. We do these things not to get to God, but we do these things because God has has given himself for us, and this is how we respond. In other words, feeding hungry people, giving water to thirsty people, giving uh, care and attention to people who are lonely and in prison and sick, these are an overflow of faith. And Jesus is talking to a group of people who think they have God figured out. Remember, he's, he's in a temple, and he's preaching to a, to a lot of people who are all there. Even um, people who don't really go to the temple that much, they're there this week. Because of, so imagine a packed house full of people, and a lot of them think they have God figured out. And this is how they have God figured out. Uh, don't work on the Sabbath. That's a no-no. If you do that, then you're on the outs with God. You're going to spend eternity away from God. Don't do that. Um, When you eat, make sure you don't eat the wrong foods. Because if you eat the wrong foods, then you're in trouble. You're on the out with God. You'll spend eternity away from Him. Don't eat the wrong things. Don't be born in the wrong place. Don't eat with dirty hands. Don't allow unclean people to touch you. In other words, here here is how they have God figured out. If they were to tell this story, they would say the king comes back, he separates the sheep from the goats, the right from the left, and the people, the sheep, are the ones who don't do all the bad stuff. But Jesus paints an entirely different picture. They're the ones who see needs in our world, and they engage those needs and help. This is the call on the, on the person who's a Jesus follower, is to step into a broken world, see where people are hurting, see where people are hungry, and, and come alongside and help. This is what we're called to do. This is the life that we're called to live. There's a lot of talk right now, and you'll, you'll see it on the news, and you'll see it online, and you'll hear it in just about every conversation you have is... is we live in an outrage culture. So people will see a news story and they'll get upset about the news story and they'll cause a whole lot of just noise about a commercial that they saw or an athlete who did something that they don't like or a politician that they're angry with or something that happened on the other side of the world that they, they never really cared about five minutes before and in ten minutes they won't care about it either. But... It's easy because we're aware of so much because news is being delivered to us all the time. It's easy to get outraged all the time because there's... And, and here's the thing about that that is actually true. Is that there is so much hurt in our world. And even though 
I, I do think that outrage culture exists, and I don't think it's a good thing for the world that we live in. I think it's rooted in something. It begins with something that is holy, and that is people see needs all around the world, and they're trying to do something about it. They want to do something about it. So when people get uh, outraged, when they get riled up about something, it's because they see an injustice in the world and they want it to be fixed. But the problem is, is that we treat everything that we see, we treat, it's, it's like it's road rage, 24-7. We're constantly angry at something that we see in the world. But the only thing we ever do about it is we rail about it online or we scream about it to our friends who believe the same way we do, or we vote for a politician every four years, and that's all that we do. There are real needs in our world, but they are not going to be fixed if our only solution is to argue with people about it online, or to yell at people we do not know, or to vote once every four years or every two years. Those are not the answers that are going to give, get us out of a broken world. Those, we, those, that is not us being agents for change. That is not us responding to the call of God in our world. How to re- respond to the call of God in our world is we actually do something about it. And I think sometimes we're so overwhelmed by everything that's messed up, is that we don't know where to begin, so we don't do anything. Because we reread things, um, like 1.2 billion people in the world don't have power. They don't have electricity. That's almost 20% of the world's population that does not have electricity. Now, A lot of us, some of us might live in the county, but a lot of us live in Tupelo. So we know what it's like to live without power every once in a while, because it happens. I live downtown. Every once in a while, I think a cat has crawled into a generator, and we're going to have two hours without power. But if it gets dark for two hours in my house, then by the time the lights come back on, my kids are literally hanging from the ceiling, right? And we, we don't know what to do. Oh, this is awful. Two hours without power. But think about it. Almost 20% of the world's population does not know what it's like to live without electricity or to live with electricity. Um, there are some of us right now who are, it's a Sunday morning and we're thinking about lunchtime and where we're going to go eat. And we didn't have that much for breakfast other than the donut that I grabbed on my way in. And I'm starting to get hungry. And I know Russ is probably talking about this passage that he's, he's reading is probably important. But man, Danvers sounds really good or Mexican food sounds really good. And I'm starving, right? We, we say that, I'm, I'm starving. But we say that because we're hungry, There's 900 million people who live in the world who are actually starving right now. And they're not thinking about where they're going to go eat in an hour. They're thinking about, I have no idea where my next meal is going to come from. And so we think about this and we think, and we we know this, but we think, I can't do anything about it. It's too much. So I don't know what what I'm going to do. But think about 
the things that Jesus actually asked us to do. I was reading a commentary about this passage. Um, it was a group of scholars, actually, who were writing different notes that they kind of noticed about this passage. And uh, one of them said this, Notice the very basic nature of these six mercies. Food, drink, hospitality, clothing, nursery care, and visitation. Every person in the world has the potential to provide these kind of mercies. One need not be wealthy to buy a hamburger and soft drink for a hungry person. One need not be a nurse to help someone who's sick. One need not be ordained to visit a prisoner in jail. Earlier in the scriptures, Jesus tells a rich man to sell all he has to give to the poor. But here is no such demand. The kinds of mercy that Jesus rewards are within the reach of every person. They do not require, they do not require great sacrifice on the point of mercy, of the mercy giver, but they do alleviate, alleviate great pain for the mercy receiver. Guys, the things that Jesus asks us to do in this passage are not that hard. Because he's not asking us to restore power to 1.2 billion people. He's asking us to feed one. Maybe the neighbor down the street who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. He's not asking us to cure a worldwide disease. He's asking us to visit the person that we know who's in the hospital. He's not asking us to solve uh, the housing crisis. Uh, but he is asking us to be there for the one lonely person we know at work who's having a hard time. Or to be there for the one family member who just can't get their life together to offer them counsel, to offer them wisdom, to be there for them when nobody else will be. To look at people in our lives, in our circle, who are hurting, and just extend a hand out to help them with what their needs are. A lot of times we tell people when they're going through something, if you need anything, let me know. And I think that's... that's based in good intentions. But sometimes we, we let that be our only answer to suffering that we see people going through. When in actuality, we know that there's something that we can do, but we don't want to get in the way. We don't want to intrude. But God says, come on, step forward. Help. You live in a, in a broken world God is in the process of restoring this broken world, and he wants you to be a part of it. So get up and do something. Just do something. So last week we had a challenge that was to spend more time in relationship with God. Pray, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence today and every day. Read the scriptures more often. A chapter a day, four days a week, something like that. I want you to keep that challenge going because re remember, 
We aren't going to be able to keep on doing the things that God has called us to do unless we continue to spend time with Him on a regular basis. Because eventually we get burned out. But as we keep doing that, here's the challenge for you this week. And this is going to be real practical and real tangible. I'm going to give you two different things that you can do. And you can do one or you can do both. But here's the thing that every single person, I think, is capable of doing in some way or another. The first is this. Um, I have a friend of mine, and he is the, um, the president. He runs the Lee County um, Hunger Coalition. So he works with people who suffer from food insecurity, which means a lot of them do not know where their next meal is going to come from. And so this week I was talking to him, and I said, uh, Jason, that's my friend's name, uh, tell me what you guys need. Tell me, what, you, tell me what's, what is the biggest need you have. And he said, well... We have good relationships with grocery stores and restaurants around town who give us food. And so we do pretty well getting donations for food. But one thing we're noticing is that we have a lot of young mothers come in. And so uh, restaurants and grocery stores don't have as much extra to give in the way for young mothers. So here's four things we need. Formula, baby food, diapers, wipes. Formula, baby food, diapers, and wipes. So here is the challenge. Next Sunday, when you come to church, bring some of that stuff with you. Formula, baby food, diapers, wipes. These are actual needs of people in our community that they cannot get enough. He says that we, we do pretty, pretty well on food donations. Now, we could always use more, but we do pretty well. But here's where we have a real need, because we have young mothers coming in almost every day, and they need formula, baby food, diapers, and wipes. If you're not going to be here next week for church, and you already know that, then come see me or Daniel and tell us, and we will let you in the building, or you can come up here some point during the week, and you can drop it off here. Because we want to be able to look at places in our community where people are hurting and say, in some small way, we can help. So formula, diapers, bottle, or formula, diapers, baby food, wipes. Those are the things. So if you need to write those down, write them down. If you need to remember them, we're going to post them to our social media feeds this week. But don't forget, if you come next week, to bring some of that stuff with you, at least one of those things with you. And if you can't, then come by during the week and we'll let you in. And here's another way you can help. Is that once a month, people from our church go visit uh, Faith Haven. Faith Haven is a temporary shelter in our area that does really great work. So what happens is if... Um, Kids have to get taken out of their home for whatever reason, sometimes neglect, sometimes abuse, um, sometimes their parents get into trouble. They become custody of the state of Mississippi, and the state of Mississippi has to find them a place to live. So like a foster home or even a more temporary home, uh, family. And while they're looking for a place for these kids to land, these kids are uh, newborns all the way up to 18 years old, while they're looking for a place to put these kids more permanently, this is just a temporary shelter. So the kids stay there up from a few days up to 45, sometimes 60 days. And we go there once a month just to play games with the kids, um, to hang out with them, ask them what's going on in their life, and just spend a couple hours with them once a month. And usually when we go, 
It's a new group of kids because they're always rotating in and out. And for some of these kids, this is the hardest time that they will ever have in their entire life because they don't know where they're going to go. They wonder if anybody really cares about them. And we, all we do is for two hours, we just sit across the table from them. We sit across a game from them and say, hey, you matter. You're important. God cares about you. We love you. We'll, we'll be here for you any way we can. Um, that group is going not tomorrow, but they're going next Monday night. And if you want to go, you can sign up. There's a, there's a um, sign-up sheet right on the desk as you walk out the door. Sign up. We will contact you. We will tell you where to meet. We will tell you when to meet. And next Monday night, you can go. And this is a way you can serve. And if you'd like to serve more regularly, you just tell us when we call you. Yes, I would like to serve more regularly, not just this one month. But here are two ways that you can be involved in just helping out a broken world. And look, when we read these passages about judgment and eternal fire and all this kind of stuff, I know that there's a lot of us that get really anxious about that. And we don't know what to think about. But I think all of us can look at the world around us and say, yeah, this needs to get better. The only way it's going to get better, the only way is that we stand up and say, yes, I'm going to help in some way. I'm going to help in some way. I'm going to respond to God's call to repair the world. And maybe I can't solve world hunger. Maybe I can't solve homelessness, but I can help in some way. Diapers, wipes, baby food, and formula. You can go to Faith Haven. And this is a way that we can be involved in what God is doing in the world. So that's the challenge for you this week. Stay grounded by continuing to read the scriptures, continue to spend time with God in prayer, but also to start putting your faith into practice to actually do something. This is the call on our lives. As there are physical needs that people have in our world, and we're, we're called to help meet those in some small way. So would you respond in that way? Would you pray with me?